Under the Dome Radio for Season 1, Episode 9, Let the Games Begin. Thanks for tuning in to the Under the Dome Radio Podcast. It's the show by and for fans of CBS Television's Under the Dome Television series, like you. And this is episode number 18. Show notes are going to be over at underthedomeradio.com slash 18, coincidentally enough. And I want to remind you, Under the Dome Radio is produced by MediaVoiceOvers.com and sponsored by our affiliate links. Check those puppies out, won't you, at underthedomeradio.com. And on this glorious 18th episode of Under the Dome Radio, you will be sure to go on the air with us as we talk about what we liked or didn't like so much about this Let the Games Begin episode of Under the Dome. We'll then head over to At the Tower where we can get your awesome feedback and our broadcast section where we thank those people that are helping get the word out about Under the Dome Radio. And near the end of the podcast, we'll be in the Dome, the spoilery part of the show where we can discuss differences between the book and the TV show, even though we're past the book's time frame now. But, you know, there might be something we want to chat about just for fun. Oh, there's a little something-something that I I want to mention. I'm Wayne Henderson, the voice-acting, podcasting Green Bay Packers fan who just got back from traveling back in time to September 2012 so I could meet Troy in person and join him and his father-in-law for a fantastic Packers game where we trounced the Bears big time. I love time travel. I just need to learn how to go forward, but I just go back and then yeah, I, here I am. Could be like 11-22-63 where every time you go back into the portal, you relive the game over and over and over again where we win every time. <laughs> I love that kind of action. And I'm Troy Heinrichs, a former radio personality displaced by a computer, now using a computer to fight back against the machine and reclaim the sound waves. Oh, even though those have already been taken over by MP3 also. I love it. Speaking of machines, Wayne, this Under the Dome radio thing is kind of becoming some sort of machine of its own, eh? Yes. Did you turn Canadian on me? Hey, we got Canadian listeners. We got to include them oh, all. Oh, yes, we do. I love Canada. It's and I want to say hello to anybody in the United Kingdom as well, as the Dome just premiered over there for them this past week. So hopefully the UK Dome heads are catching up on all the great uh, Kevin Sizemore interview at mm-hmm. underthedomeradio.com slash five, I believe that was, or slash Kevin. Uh, and then they'll be probably watching The Fire this week, would be my guess, over there in the UK. They'll be about ready for our awesome interview with Dale Raul as well. And then our most recent interview with uh, John Elvis. Yeah, fantastic Dean. stuff. Fantastic stuff. If it, you haven't caught it yet, underthedomeradio.com slash John Elvis. All one word. Excellent stuff. And you mentioned that Under the Dome Radio is kind of becoming a machine. And the reason I would assume that you bring that up is because You know, we're both totally excited that Under the Dome Radio, the podcast here, is a proud member now of Daniel Lewis's Noodle Mix network of shows. There's some awesome podcasts over at noodle.mx. The Once podcast for Once Upon a Time, that one is bringing in fans from all over the world. And Daniel's got the audacity to podcast where you just got to have the guts to go out and podcast all about doing podcasts yourself and that one won the podcast award in its category this past january 
in Las Vegas at New Media Expo, and I was sitting next to Daniel Lewis when it happened. Got to take his uh, picture while he was getting his award. And Eric Fisher's Beyond the To-Do List podcast. Beyond the To-Do List. If I could say that 10 times fast, that'd be a beautiful thing. That show's doing some amazing things in the personal productivity podcasting space. Say that 10 times fast as well. There's tons of other shows over there. We're honored to now be a part over at noodle.mx. And of course, we are just excited that we got so many quick turnarounds on our listener voicemail line this week. You can, of course, call that listener voicemail line, 904-469-7469. That number again, 904-469-7469. Or if you just happen to be listening to the Audacity to Podcast and you wanted to maybe record your own voice, you can do that and email us a M4A or MP3 or whatever audio format you can get our way. You can drop that at under the dome radio podcast at gmail.com or of course the voicemail widget right there on the website at under the dome radio.com. So many choices. We love it when we're able to give people the ability to choose. And although listener Carl and some others in the under the dome radio community have lobbied CBS on her behalf, the under the dome radio podcast is not yet officially affiliated with CBS, Stephen King, Amblin Entertainment, Under the Dome TV miniseries, or any of that good stuff, but we do want to be. Yeah, that would rock, wouldn't it? Absolutely. So, speaking of things that would rock, let's turn over a rock, find a caterpillar, maybe a mini dome, and go on the air, Wayne. What do you say? Let's do it. We've got some thoughts, and then we've got some listener thoughts, and then we've got some more thoughts, you think? I do, but I have one rule for this evening. There's rules. What, what's the rule, Troy? Rule number one, don't talk about Fight Club. Well, that about wraps up this episode of Under the Dome Radio. Uh, reason for that being is that it's just bad and we're just not going to talk about it. Yeah, so we're going to move on and focus more on the Caterpillar because the Caterpillar inside the dome, that's pretty cool. I want to get a pet one of those. You know, they, I wonder if they're related to Tribbles. I uh, hope not, because then there'd be lots of caterpillars inside the dome real fast. But it looked really, really cool. I also like the the blanket that they just kind of threw over the, the mini dome. And everybody's officially calling it the mini dome. So, Yeah, but, and, and everybody was talking about it being, you know, is it egg-shaped or sphere-shaped? And I think with that blanket over, that definitely looked more of a ball than an egg to me. It's almost like the globe that we had in the library at the uh, school that I went to. You know, you just kind of spin it around. I know you can't spin that around, but it kind of reminded me of that giant globe. But if it was an egg, then we could spin it and it'd be a top. Multi-purpose <laughs> mini dome. What do you say? That sounds perfect. So let's go with sphere. So we said we weren't going to talk about Fight Club. I have another pet peeve because I went back and watched Endless Thirst. And in Endless Thirst, they went to the lake and the lake was full of methane and the fish were dead and everything. So we're standing on the porch at Big Jim's house and it's quite breezy. They're talking, you know, he's talking to Barbie and you turn around and it's like, that's a really big lake. Kind of looks like an ocean, maybe. <laughs> there, well, there's I, don't a lot of- a cotton, I don't know if that was a continuity error or what, but. Yeah. Well, I, I think we, we could maybe blame it on the dome that there's all these choppy waves out there and things like that. <laughs> it oh, did kind of look like the ocean. It did. And and we actually got confirmation that it was filmed in, I believe, Southport. 
And uh, Southport is definitely on the beachfront. It's a, it's a narrow beach, and it does have a break wall. So it could look like a lake from a certain angle, but yeah, it was definitely the ocean. So wherever this Chester's Mill is, because it, they said they're not going to tell us a particular state so that we can just kind of envision it being almost anywhere. You don't think this Chester's Mill is on the ocean? Yeah, probably not. No, it would have been brought up by now. Anyway. Maybe, maybe more like Lake Superior or Lake Huron or Lake Michigan or one of those other Great Lakes up north, maybe. So that about sums it up. Thanks again for tuning. Oh, wait, there's more? <laughs> well, you do have Dodie. She's kind of spook, uh, kind of spying on you know the kids, and she yeah. does jump into the barn, touches her hand to it, goes kersplooey, and basically uh, didn't fry herself to death, but fried herself bad enough that... I'm starting to think, can the dome erase memories? Or at least the mini dome, could it erase memories? Because she remembers all the way back to the generator. And I didn't yeah. know if she was like the last, like she's triggering in her mind is the last memory I have touching the generator on dome day when I started it up. And that's when I burnt my hand. So maybe the dome can erase memories back to dome day or the mini dome. Or else it replaced her memory of going to the barn and going up to the mini dome just with a fake memory of again going to the generator. I I don't know. That is kind of, um, that's something to be careful of. We should make sure that people that have not had seizures do not touch the mini dome. Yes. Otherwise, you might start having them, which would also be bad. Well, you I felt bad. Because then you have a burnt hand where you're trying to clutch your own wrist while you're having the seizure, and then you'll hurt your hand even more. Well, I admit fe feeling really bad for Dodie because – it just hurled her across the room. That I mean, must, it, must I, mean, I want to know what they launched her with. If they like pulled her with some wires or something or to get that effect. She, she'd like launched probably 20 feet from where the, the mini dome was to the edge of the barn. That definitely could hurt. Um, let's take a look. So we do have confirmation finally. So endless thirst and visitor's day. Blue on Blue. So Blue on Blue and Endless Thirst, they are the same day because Maxine, before they're walking to Fight Club, so we can talk about this, she mentions to Barbie that they've been trapped for nine days. And this is episode number 10. So because of that, there has to be two episodes that overlap the same day in order for it to be nine days, or it's a continuity error. But I think after watching back uh, Blue on Blue transitioning into Endless Thirst, I definitely think that it was a solid single day between those two episodes. So I'll go with Maxine and actually believe her on one account of something and call it day nine in episode 10. Well, let's go ahead and have an impromptu session of question and answer time with Wayne and Troy. And just kind of paraphrasing uh, Dan, who is my co-host on the Fringe Casting and Lost Casting with Wayne and Dan shows. Does this even matter? Who cares what day it is? I, you know, it, it, it kind of reminds you of Greek and Roman times. It's like, how do they figure out what a day was to begin with in the first place? Maybe there's two suns and it's refracting off the dome funny and it's really a 48 hour day under the dome. Or maybe Maxine lost her memory for a whole day. I, it could be. I, I don't I, think it matters. I'm, I'm, I'm going I'm to give up on keeping track of how many days it's been because I don't think it matters. That's my official stance. Well, with some of the stuff in this episode, anything could be believable because everything was so not believable or so over the top in this episode that, you know, anything, anything goes. Because it, well, 
I know one thing that was way over the top was Agatha. Oh my goodness. That was crazy. Yeah. I mean, she's like totally lying to big Jim, you know, and then invites him in for tea and then literally, Hey, here's your tea. It's called T bone. I'm going to put this gun right up to your chest. <laughs> Don't fall for the come in and have tea bit when there's a dome over your town. Unless they offer crumpets. If it's tea and crumpets, then you can come in and have a snack. Now, why didn't Agatha turn in her gun when they were uh, voluntarily uh, supposed to do that? Then she'd have to get on a boat and come across the Lation. A week? A week? An ocean lake? I don't know. There's a lot of guns in Chester's Mill. And apparently, maybe Big Jim kind of went along with Maxine and put some of the guns down in that cement works. But he sure still... He still sure has a lot of guns down in his bomb shelter. So I don't want to fast forward too fast into the episode, but there's a really, a really problem point that I'm having with this episode now that it's kind of over and past. So I am going to fast forward to them to the bank. They find this insurance policy. So we do know that the dome takes place between 2010 and 2015 because that was the dates on the insurance policy of when it was issued and when it would expire. So obviously the the policy is still active because that was the whole driving force behind Julia sitting down with Barbie at the end of the episode and going, Oh, so Peter took his gun, but didn't take the bullets. So because of that, he basically went to the cabin in order for you to purposely kill him so that I would be taken care of. But Barbie, no more lies. Let's just be friends and move on and continue with our, you know, psychology induced relationship. That whole scene made no sense. There's no way she could have deduced all of that. I found his bullet, so I knew. I know that he's dead now, and you must have buried him somewhere here in town. And well, but more importantly, uh, you killed him, and yeah, we could still be lovers. <laughs> I'm gonna have a sip of my Coke Zero right here. Yeah, because so, I gotta clean that out. That that was, was over the top and unbelievable. Terrible. Um, but the good thing of the, the one good shining light in this episode was that we found out that Sheriff Duke Perkins, Sheriff Duke Perkins was good after all. He really wanted to keep drugs out of Chester's mill. So the reason why he was involved with the propane was to make sure that the rapture drug was made in Westlake rather than made in Chester's mill. And the propane was just being trafficked through Chester's mill through their acquiring channels through the town. So good to know that Duke was a good guy after all. Oh, absolutely. And I miss Sheriff Duke. That I know he was really only on the pilot uh, episode, but I just, Jeff Fahey does a great job, and I love that character. And most anything he does, of course, all goes back to Lost. But that's all another thing. So there were actually two different insurance policies brought up in this episode. Yeah, so the first one being Julia's insurance policy that uh, she obviously shared with Barbie about mm-hmm. the money. But then Maxine has an insurance policy in her mother on the island. So that way, if Maxine were to ever be killed, then all of their secrets would come out via her mother. But this is where I have kind of the most irksist moment or frustration, I guess, with the episode (laughs) this evening. I'm I'm just so flabbergasted by it. I can't even think of a word to use. Wow. Break it on us here. Okay, so if Maxine has an insurance policy... And all of the secrets will come out if she dies. Well, now the insurance policy is dead. It drowned in a methane-filled lake where she was able to actually tread water for quite a long period of time before the methane would have killed her. We don't know if she's dead. They did not say that. True, but she is in a methane-filled lake, apparently. Right? I mean, that's true. Unless it got clear. It's the same lake. 
Yeah, I think so. We have to assume, right? There's only one lake in town, unless this is how they really make the weather system, because there's like 500 lakes or something <laughs> under the dome. But let's so assume that's the lake. Let's assume she's dead. Oh my! And, and and drowned because Big Jim's just that kind of way. So now we have uh, Barbie finds out. Julia finds out about Barbie killing Peter. So it doesn't matter if his secret comes out. Big deal. And Linda and Julia find out that Big Jim is involved with the propane drug operation. So if his secrets come out, it's not a big deal. And the insurance policy for Maxine is dead. So what does that mean for Maxine? Maxine's dead in the next episode. I mean, come on. So we introduce a new character. And just like that, we can take her out of the episodes just as fast. You know, it's like, why did we even bother going down this road? That's true. It, in, in the end, it was... If if somebody skips this episode altogether, for whatever reason, you know maybe they have Time Warner cable and it, it won't matter for this episode. Which brings me to the other really frustrating point of this episode because last week was so cool. Yeah, oh, it on, was. And how the VFX people just put that fourth hand on there, and you're like, oh great, four episodes to go. They're going to drag this out. They're going to make it like let's go hunt for the fourth hand, and it's going to be kind of like almost season five of Fringe where they were hunting for the videotapes and it would take a couple episodes for those that watched Fringe. Um, but I was just like, really? They're going to answer that question in the next episode and they're going to make it Junior. Of all people, the obvious person. Like, where's the fun <laughs> in watching the show if we're just going to spill it out every week? Yeah, all of a sudden in the fourth hand episode, of course, we see the paintings, if you want to call them that, that Junior's crazy mom painted. There's pink stars around somebody that might be Junior. So obviously it's Junior. Now, the only thing that saves this episode is the effect at the end, because making the whole place a giant planetarium, totally, <laughs> totally epic again from the VFX team at Under the Dome. But at the same time, so now we know who the fourth hand is. We know that Maxine is completely worthless and doesn't need to be in the show. We know that Big Jim and Barbie kind of don't get along with each other and all their, their secrets are revealed. So the question is, what's the show about now? All the show is left is, what is the dome? So hopefully in the next three weeks, we can have a bigger spoiler cliffhanger in the finale than the fourth hand because I think at this point the best cliffhanger would have been okay here's the fourth hand the fourth hand touches the dome cut to black and you don't see what happens that would have been awesome you know so I am expecting because if that's my cliffhanger that I was literally hoping for then the cliffhanger that Brian and Neil and Jack come up with better be something way better than that or I'm going to call season one a wash (laughs) I wouldn't go that far. Um, the producers have promised a huge cliffhanger at the end of this season, which is uh, unbelievably just three weeks away. Which I shouldn't complain because they also promised that you would get answers fast during the course of the show. But at the same time, it's 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 a mystery show. So give me a little mystery. Don't just answer it right away. Yeah, and I, I didn't like all of a sudden his junior is the fourth hand. Wow, that was quick and easy. But I did like in that scene how... Joe, you know, threatened to uh, kill Junior for kidnapping his sister. Yeah, I'm glad that secret is out. All the secrets are coming out now. So, yeah, I, three episodes to go. Fair game at this point, right? Let the games begin. So you can roll the dice and this show could go any which way from Sunday at this point. Because it's literally a whole new story. All that's left that's consistent from the pilot is where did the dome come from? Well, I do want to. That is a good question. 
I would like to know the answer to that. But I did want to ask, were you surprised when uh, Big Jim turned the boat around and just left her there in the water? I mean, we're book readers, so no, not at all. But this but, big, the Big Jim, yeah, and we'll maybe well, a little let, more later yeah. in the dome. Yeah, let, let's save it for in the dome because a, a thought just popped into my head that just made me chuckle and I want to save it for later. Okay, well, don't forget then. I won't. I won't. So that takes care of this episode. Um, how would you rate this episode? Oh, in the toilet. Three out of ten. Oceans made into lakes. I guess that would be called Latians then. <laughs> Three? Three. Oh. If you keep talking to me about it, I might go to two. <laughs> Listeners, uh, address your emails. Make them attention. Troy Heinrichs. When you send them in to Under the Dome Radio podcast, Gmail. Oh my, three. The problem is, is that this was the episode that was written to basically tell the actors in the show, hey, here's everything the audience knows already. So we're just going to catch you guys up, even though the audience has already known all this stuff. So it's like, it just, for the audience, it's just, oh, really painful to watch. All right. Well, although there were quite a few frustrating things in the episode, I'm not going to go that far. I'm going to give this episode six out of 10 slogans about small price, big savings. That was kind of funny. Because <laughs> And so was the part with uh, with uh, Barbie telling Big Jim, no, I don't trust you. You used to be a Here's, used car, used car salesman. salesman. That's a good one, too. <laughs> small price, big savings. So maybe it should be a, uh, a dramedy instead of a drama. So, maybe, that, maybe that would give me a four then instead of a three. <laughs> maybe. So six, and you give it three, which is half of six. Yep. So we'll call it four and a quarter. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll split the difference like they do on uh, Pawn Stars when they're trying to cut a deal. So let's go ahead and uh, briefly stop off at the broadcasts section no. of the show. No, we can't. It's no, we four, can't. It's four and a half because I still can't do math on a podcast. <laughs> I've told you that's not allowed. So I was going to go with the four and a quarter and stick with that. Ladies and gentlemen, we're looking forward to an awesome episode of Under the Dome next Monday night on CBS. We just have to get the frustration out. <laughs> Broadcast. We definitely want to thank some people. Absolutely. Because we are thankful for many, many things. In fact, um, our friends over at the Sci-Fi Diner podcast, Scott, Miles, and the gang, they played our original promo we're talking about the woodchuck and all that good stuff on this week's Sci-Fi Diner podcast. And I love the Sci-Fi Diner podcast. I always listen to that. And I'm like, hey, they're playing our promo. That's cool. Also, special thanks going out to Krista for donating and sponsoring the big $25 full week level of propane that's going to power things for quite a while here at Under the Dome Radio. Thank you so much, Krista. And even though it's not Wednesday, woo-woo! Thanks, Krista, for the sponsorship. It's greatly appreciated. Very much so. Very much so. So with that and the thanks being given, and we're just thankful left and right. Let's be thankful at the tower. This is where we play your thoughts, your theories, and all of that good stuff because people have good stuff like this. Well, good morning, Wayne and Troy. This is your background acting shot giving resident Domi nurse just calling in with some feedback for last night's episode. Um, I haven't called in in a while, so, you know, these Chester Mill people have been keeping me busy with all of their gunshot wounds and their fights that they're getting into nowadays. I just wanted to start off by saying, wow, um, didn't see the caterpillar coming in the mini dome. 
Although I thought it was very convenient that the caterpillar shows up after Angie touched the dome and she did not show off her butterfly tattoo last night. Um, unless I just totally missed it, it looked like it was covered up the entire episode, which is a first. So um not quite sure what kind of foreshadowing that is, um, or if possibly when this butterfly comes out of it, the chrysalis's Joe calls it, that it would be some type of um, color-mutated monarch butterfly that would, you know, resemble Angie's tattoo. A lot of people are talking about Julia and Barbie and kind of their relationship. She's a strange cookie. Um, I, I will say that I'm kind of figuring her out now. It's taken me quite a while, but she's kind of exhibiting to me a depressed type affect. Um, she's just very flat. She doesn't really show a lot of emotion. She takes a lot of things just matter-of-factly. I know she is a reporter, but um, even reporters, when they find out their husband is missing or whatever, she would have shown a whole lot more emotion. So I think kind of the thing between her and Barbie is kind of her being so flat with her emotions, and I think that's why it's coming off as being almost annoying when she's saying, hey, honey, how's your day, and, and things like that. I think she's trying to make an attempt to be normal, but I, I just don't think mentally she she is, but that's just kind of my take on it. Um, and especially after, you know, Barbie comes in all beat up and everything, and she figures out that her husband was actually wanting him Barbie to kill um, Dr. Shumway. So she, she just was kind of matter-of-fact about it and really did not show any emotion. So again, I think if that's the case, that was a great write-in by the writers making her exhibit those those kind of symptoms. Wow, Maxine, what can I say about her? She's just, she's crazy. And I truly think she would burn the place down. I don't know if that's foreshadowing for what's to come, but I think Barbie heard that and knew that she would do it and had to come clean to Julia. So lastly, I just wanted to say, where in the world is Ben? You know, we had the hashtag going around, who is Maxine? Well, I started the one floating around last night, where's Ben? We haven't seen him in a couple episodes, so... You know, is he hanging out with Phil? Um, are they trapped under a heap at Andrea Grinnell's house? Um, is he off just like trying to talk to the animals and random strangers, you know, like he did on Dome Day? Is, is he with Truman? Cause we haven't seen Truman either. He just kind of disappeared. So, um, haven't seen Ben. Um, we need to see him. His character was developing quite nicely. So hopefully he'll get back into it. Um, and lastly, visual effects. I just want to give a shout out to Stephen Fleet. The pink stars were awesome. Um, even picked up the, um, pink stars kind of in, in Junior's eyes. Really prominent, like in his pupils. It, it was, the reflection was just awesome. So, Awesome job, and it looks like from the previews that next week the visual effects team were, was working really hard. So can't wait to see that episode. But you guys take care. Love the show as always, and keep doing what you're doing. I will talk to you soon. Bye. Michelle sending that in live from her iPhone or other smartphone device. We're not sure which one she has. We hope she has an iPhone since we all do. But uh, she sent that in, recorded it right with her voice recorder, and emailed it into Under the Dome Radio Podcast at gmail.com. It's just that easy, folks. So if you want to send it in that way, we greatly appreciate it. Yeah, it sounded so, great. It sounded awesome. 
And uh, yeah, so two points there. Uh, Stephen Fleet, you guys are awesome on the visual effects department. Yes. Um, we've been chatting with him on Twitter, and it's just really cool to hear some of the stuff he does. I mean, the uh, the scene from uh, from the missile from Blue on Blue, uh, the whole devastation scene was actually something that he did uh, himself So uh, with the visual effects crew. So it wasn't uh, CGI or anything. It was all photorealistic, and it was just totally awesome. Um, so definitely really cool to have uh, Stephen uh, doing the work that he's doing on Under the Dome. Uh, but the the big thing is, yeah, where is Ben? So if you want to know where Ben is, stick around for our spoilery section, or you can just go ahead and check out underthedomeradio.com slash John Elvis and get all the details from Ben himself. In fact, if you haven't heard that interview yet, check that out, underthedomeradio.com slash John Elvis. Hello, this is Neil from Bowie calling for Under the Dome. Let the games begin. Big news was that Junior was confirmed as the fourth hand. Uh, we saw a caterpillar inside the mini dome, which went to chrysalis by the end of the episode, and we know that it should turn into a monarch butterfly. One question there is, is this symbolic of a change that is going to happen to somebody inside the dome? Who will be the monarch that will be crowned? Uh, once they put their hands on the mini dome the egg inside it went into planetarium projection mode as junior asked what does it mean is it a map to where the egg actually comes from also what if the four of them all touch the main dome at the same time is something interesting going to happen by the end of the episode it appeared that max's blackmail wasn't going to be worth anything uh, julia f- figured what happened to her husband right before barbie was actually going to tell her uh, Julia gave Barbie the extra information that uh, her husband wanted Barbie to kill him. Uh, Big Jim found out about that, but it doesn't look like that's going to give him any inf- extra leverage. Linda and Julia found out about Big Jim's problem, and what are they going to do about it? Um, Linda did ask him to come in to, to uh, get arrested or something uh, at the beginning of the next day. Next episode should be quite interesting in that regard. Big Jim did get rid of Max's insurance, and as he was saying, he was waiting for some inspiration to hit him while uh, driving away in the boat, and Max's mother falling out gave him the opportunity. Quite convenient. Barbary got played by Max in the Fight Club, but uh, what's going to happen to that Fight Club now that uh, she doesn't have the uh, blackmail leverage on him? She does have some leverage on lots of other people, so there could be a big confrontation there. The previews for the next episode look quite interesting, but as usual, we don't really have any context for those. Uh, Thanks for another great actor interview. Uh, It's quite interesting. Uh, Thanks for that. Hey, Troy and Wayne. This is Alex Cruz from TBE Entertainment. And I want to make a comment on the last episode of Under the Dome. Um, One thing that occurred to me is who does everybody think that this fourth person that could unlock the dome, this little tiny dome, and a couple things occurred to me is I think all signs is probably pointing to that miscreant known as Junior as being that fourth person. Or another theory that I had, because remember I haven't read the book so I can only speculate, 
and uh, that fourth person could have been Junior's mother, who, as we know, has is passed on, so they might not be able to uh, to open it. So I know this is a key as to probably bringing down the the dome, the entire dome, not just the little tiny dome, the mini dome, but the entire dome. So, um, Wayne, I want to thank you for the birthday wishes, and I want to let everybody know that it was a great birthday. I celebrated two weeks ago, and it was the 21st anniversary of my 21st birthday. So, thank you for the birthday wishes, and looking forward to more episodes of Under the Dome Radio, and we just finished taping our season wrap-up of Fallen Sky, so everyone tune into that, and of course, we have our Revolution podcast coming up, and as well as Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. coming up, so everyone tune into that, and thank you so much, gentlemen, and take care, and have a great day. Totally love Alex Cruz there, actually on Big Jim's boat, recording that and sending it in, as you can hear the wind just whizzing in the background as they crash over the waves. But no, thanks, Alex, for sending that in. I'm just messing with you. Um, definitely great points. Um, rule number two for the podcast. This More season, rules? Wayne. Yes. What's rule number two? Rule number two is go with your gut instinct because you were right on Junior as your first choice, as which pretty much 95% of America, uh, unlike me and Jason Taylor and you, because you didn't even pick Junior. No. Uh, because I didn't expect it to be happening in this episode. That's the issue. Um, but speaking of Jason, he actually sent in an email and he of course loved again, the line that you're a used car salesman, Jim from Barbie uh, when they were on their porch in front of the Lation. Uh, <laughs> I feared that they made junior the fourth hand and sadly they did. No wonder John Elvis said he wanted to play junior in the interview. If he wasn't Ben fantastic interview, by the way, I'm assuming there's a reason we've yet to see junior have a seizure. I'm disappointed with Linda for just letting Big Jim go at the end of the episode, but given the Food Fight Club and Julia staying with Barbie, even after finding out he'd killed her husband, I'm assuming the Dome has taken everyone's rationale, including the writers. That was my two cents. Max, in less than a week, has put together an underground fight club that no official knew about in town where no one knows her. More Max, please. Unfortunately for you, Jason, I think that Max is dead, but we talked about that already. A tied-up woman that knows all of Big Jim's secrets on a boat with Big Jim. Yeah, that's only going to end one way. (laughs) No doubt. And aside from finding the fourth piece to the mini-dome puzzle, the story didn't move forward too much. Max obviously won't be happy in the next episode, but with a cellar full of firearms, I don't think Big Jim much cares. Stay trapped, Jason. Jason, thank you. That was awesome. Great email and Alex's voicemail. Awesome as well. Uh, great points there. You know, uh, Maxine's not going to be happy about finding out about her mom, or she may just think that she's gone missing. But at the same time, you know, she's eventually going to find out that Big Jim has, uh, you know, taken a few guns off the top and taken them for himself. Uh, it, but Jason didn't give a rating for this episode, but Jason and I have been on the same wavelength most of the season, so I'm sure he would have given it a three also. Or a 4.25. <laughs> or 4.25, exactly. But at the same time, I, I, you know, Jason didn't get my note about rule number one. So unfortunately, Jason, you're banned for next week. 
Oh my goodness. He didn't know that you're not supposed to talk about Fight Club. I didn't know you Don't were talk about Fight Club. Just don't talk about it. Moving on. Let's hear from yes, Warren. I'm the biggest fan of Under the Dome. And honestly, it's the best Stephen King's ever done in his life. And I want to know who the fourth handprint is. Me, my mother, my fiance, my father think it's two different people and it's the best darn show. It keeps us thinking and reeling on what's going to happen next. And my name is Laura and I live in Town River, New Jersey. And it's the best show. Laura, thank you so much for calling in to 904-469-7469. I totally agree. Laura called in just a couple of days before the airing of this episode. And it sounds like a lot of people were kind of picking Junior. But at the same time, she makes great points that this is a great show. And she says it's Stephen King's best. Um, I really enjoyed 112263, but Under the Dome definitely makes great bones for this uh, excellent TV show that just took a little misstep this week. Well, a big enough step that you might not be able to find the portal to come back from it. Mm. That's that's where I feel. But uh, yeah, also, you know, she sounded like she had some propane deliveries going by her house there for a minute. So just uh, be careful, Laura. Don't oh. want to get don't want to be too close to those propanes or Andrew Gunnell because some of her stuff might come hoarding into your front yard. Hey, okay. Wayne and Troy, this is Hank Davis from TPEnetwork.com and the Agents of Shield fan podcast. I wanted to call in some feedback for your awesome Under the Dome radio podcast. Some things that stuck out to me this week. Just how forgiving is Julia Shumway? The man who has killed your husband gets to get off the hook with a, hey, let's just not have any more lies. And <laughs> please, please find me some woman that's that forgiving. And then am I the only one that was rooting for Junior to stick his hand on that miniature dome and get blown across that barn. I was just sitting there rooting for it, and then it didn't happen. I wanted that mini dome to reject him so bad, but no, it didn't happen. And now Junior is a pivotal part of the whole storyline. Boo. I'm not happy. You guys have been doing a fantastic job with the cast interviews. And with the weekly episodes, I appreciate all your hard work on this podcast. Keep up the great work, guys. Hank, thank you so much for sending that in to us. Sounding awesome, by the way. And yeah, I'm not happy about the uh, whole junior thing being a pivotal part of the mini dome. And Hank, this is the first time he's never been happy. He's always happy, but a little grumpy about that whole junior thing. Well, and I think Hank and I should basically go into writing a show because that's exactly what I was hoping for. I was really hoping that it was like a ploy and Angie kind of knew something in the back of her head the whole time. And then Junior goes and puts his hand on the dome and then Angie's like, yeah, take it because that's what you get for locking me up in the basement. You know, and he would have gotten fried just like Dodie forgotten the whole thing and then been nice to Angie ever since. But unfortunately, no. He activates it, and we get to see the planetarium of pink stars making constellations. So he's part of the Scooby gang now, I guess. And like you made a great point earlier, talking about it being like a planetarium. All we needed was some spacey, quadraphonic, Pink Floyd, Dark Side of the Moon, and it, we would have been there at the planetarium for laser rock or something like that, you know? 
It would have been great. It would have actually added something to the show this week. That we, you wanted something that's going to add to the podcast in addition to all those great voicemails is... Hi, this is John Elvis. I play Ben on Under the Dome. And uh, whether I'm skateboarding or painting doors in the dome, I'm always listening to Wayne and Troy on the Under the Dome radio podcast. So now we know where John Elvis and Ben have been. Just going around getting ready and listening to the podcast and forgot to show up for the episode of Under the Dome. That is hopefully Ben. We are hoping that John Elvis and Ben make their reappearance next week. I thought for sure we were going to see them this week. Of course, listening to last week's episode of Under the Dome Radio, I was thinking for sure that uh, either Ben or Barbie were going to be the fourth hand. Yeah, I mean... It would have made better TV, I think. But again, the producers, I mean, Brian Vaughn and Jack Bender have done this with Lost. There were episodes of Lost. We absolutely couldn't stand <clears throat> Nikki and Paolo, excuse me. Um, but uh, definitely, they, they got some trick up their sleeve. And it just, it has to pay off huge in the finale for this season is all I got to say after this one. Because it's got to be so epic that we'll just be like, yeah, whatever, you know. Let the games begin. It was really a metaphor for the rest of the act three because it's really the beginning of something bigger. And that's crossing my fingers. That's what I'm hoping for. Yeah, I know last week I talked about the final four are going to be when we get the big payoff. Now it's the final three. This is where we're going to get the payoff. I I have no doubt that the next three episodes are going to be fantastic. And hopefully it'll be the last episode we see uh, Maxine in. (laughs) Well, I think it's time we had hope. Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. But uh, I think it's time we head over to the spoiler section. Uh, But before we do, I actually think I know where Ben has been, Wayne. I think Ben has been trying out for the new kicker spot at the Green Bay Packers because you got a podcast about the Green Bay Packers, don't you? Oh, yeah, yeah. We've we've got the Packers fan podcast. Guess the URL for that one. Uh, PackersFanPodcast.com. Bing, 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 bing. Correct. Yes. The Packers fan podcast. Uh, Dallin Christensen and I are kicking off the third season in just a couple of days. Now that preseason is over, the Packers, you know, I know some people have a few questions and whatever. I still think the Packers are going to have a great year and it's going to be awesome. You know, under the dome winding down just as the NFL season is taken off and going to segue into the Packers fan podcast. So if you have any interest in the NFL and the Green Bay Packers, check out the Packers fan podcast. We try to have a fun time. Dallin brings some great coaching style knowledge uh, to the podcast. And we talk Packers as we head towards the Super Bowl coming this February in New York City. The Packers probably play in the Broncos, I would think. I would probably think so as well. That's where I'm landing this year. So that's one of those obvious things, which maybe they'll throw us a curveball. It'll be Packers versus Jags. Well, Wayne, it's time to move into our spoilers section, and we'll do that right after this message. Hey, TV fans. TV Talk connects you with your favorite TV shows like never before. The exciting brand new TV Talk app is here. The TV Talk app brings you fun and informative reviews and info related to your favorite TV shows. Delivered to your smartphone, tablet, or PC every morning. With the free TV Talk app, you can hear what other fans think and even submit your own review clip. The TV Talk app lets you share your feedback clip to Facebook or Twitter so your friends can join in the conversation too. Visit www.tvtalk.com. And download the free TV Talk app today. Well, we are certainly glad you dome heads have been along for the ride this summer on Under the Dome Radio, but the fun doesn't stop there. That's right. This fall, Wayne and I will be hosting TV Talk Revenge. 
We hope that you'll join us by downloading the TV Talk app for your iOS or Android device at www.tvtalkapp.com. Download it today so you're ready for the fall season, and then join Wayne and I every Monday morning for TV Talk Revenge. You can also join fellow Noodle Mix Network member Daniel J. Lewis as he hosts TV Talk Once Upon a Time in Wonderland. That will air Fridays after the show on Thursday night. It's a new show, kind of a spinoff of the current Once Upon a Time show on Sundays. So definitely tune in to TV Talk for both TV Talk Revenge and TV Talk Once Upon a Time in Wonderland coming this fall to a smartphone or other mobile device near you. So we are now in the dome, the spoilery section. And I just want to say, you know, in the book Under the Dome by Stephen King, Barbie does get into a fight, but that's even before the dome comes down. And that's about the only thing tied to the Under the Dome novel in this episode, right? Well, other than Dodie kind of brushes with death by touching the mini dome, because uh, Dodie does die in the first 60 pages of the book. And there was actually a really great interview uh, I was reading online uh, from Dodie where she was actually talking to the producers and she's like, really? They want me in how many episodes? Because uh, Dodie dies in the first 60 pages. So uh, she was really surprised to be in as much of the show as she was. And the when they were in that interview, Dodie had mentioned that Neil and Brian actually have written this for kind of a three-season arc. Woo-hoo! So, you know, here's hoping that we get three seasons because it'd be great to talk to all of you domeheads for three years. Um, but at the same time, not if it was like this episode for three years from now. No, I, I don't have any worries. I, I'm confident in the writers and turning things around and, and all of that stuff and get this misstep out of the way so that we can go full on for the final three of this season. The awesome cliffhanger that's been promised. And then, of course, we wait. So big a long Jim, time, <laughs> a long time, a big gym in the book. So if you want it. I mean, everybody's kind of watching Big Jim, and of course, he pushes Coggins up against the dome and blows up his hearing aid. You know, <laughs> Why do I chuckle at that? <laughs> it was it was a funny scene, actually. It was better than what happened in the book, that's for sure. Um, and then he slaps Junior across the face, so you know, but he's got a mean streak. And then, of course, just leaves poor Agatha sitting there floating in the water. You know, even though she would have basically boiled her skin to death from methane. But anyway, um, so. The thing with Big Jim in that scene, if you were to play that scene as Big Jim from the book, not only would Big Jim have come back and looked at her and said, no, I'm not going to pull you in, but the Big Jim from the book would have taken his boot and smashed her in the face and sunk her to the bottom right then and there. terrible. That's the Big Jim from the book. Yep. So if you're liking Big Jim in the show, then like Big Jim in the show because he's much worse <laughs> in the book. Yeah. <laughs> Both him and Junior on the TV show, they both have uh, some softer sides to them, but I didn't see any of those soft sides in the book. So even though some people were actually surprised that Big Jim left her there in the lake, I was not surprised if they, like you said, tied it in at all to the Big Jim reading in the book. Yeah, I think Big Jim's going that direction towards the book Big Jim much quicker here, hopefully in the last four episodes, especially now that he has his own mini arsenal in his own mini dome of his dome shelter. Yeah, now he's prepared, and he always has a plan. And, you know, they made a good point about, you know, you think everything just kind of goes your way, don't you, Big Jim? And so far, it kind of does. Hey, if the town is there for Big Jim, and Big Jim is there for the town. You know why? 
I absolutely know why. We're all in this together. Correct. So that about wraps it up. We want to thank you again for tuning in, sharing the time, talking Under the Dome with us. Going to have another new episode of Under the Dome Radio for you very, very soon. But in the meantime... You can always find out the latest and greatest about the show by visiting the website at underthedomeradio.com. You can like our Facebook page, and thanks to everyone who jumped on the bandwagon this week. 65 or so new fans on the Facebook page, facebook.com, Under the Dome Radio. And again, welcome to all of those from the United Kingdom this week. Follow us on Twitter at UTD Radio Podcast and use the hashtag pound UTDR so we can find your tweets faster. And be sure to subscribe in iTunes, leave a review or at least a rating as it really helps out the show. And of course, while you're at your computer, please take a few minutes, find out a few ways you can share your love of Under the Dome Radio by visiting underthedomeradio.com slash love or by sponsoring a propane tank over there in the right-hand sidebar. Absolutely. That is great advice, Troy. And until our next Under the Dome Radio podcast, you know, just stay close. Keep your eyes peeled. We won't be too far away. You can always find us. Lost, out on the fringe, trapped under the dome. The Under the Dome radio podcast is a proud member of Noodle Mix Network. Get more of our podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. Theorize over once upon a time, learn how to podcast, build personal productivity, laugh at our clean comedy, and more at noodle.mx.